Today on the Rita Made Me Do It show. You know, entrepreneurship, owning a business, everything that comes along with it, it definitely brings out your insecurities, your doubts, your fears. I am 100% certain that you've experienced this situation before. You pour all of your time and all of your energy into the success of your business. So that's exactly where your focus is. But then in your head, you have this ongoing loop of doubt and uncertainty over the future, over the success. You kind of start doubting it and you're uncertain and you're not sure if it's going to work. And it starts kind of softly in the background of your mind. And then that doubt and uncertainty kind of leads to impatience, impatience to see that it's working, impatience to see that everything you're doing is paying off, impatience to see evidence of success. Then When you aren't seeing those instant results, when you aren't seeing the evidence that it's working, the doubt just grows. And so then you second guess everything and you shift over to a new strategy. You're like, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to do this new thing, this new other thing. And then again, you pour all of your time and energy and attention and focus there into that new strategy for that success. And then the cycle just repeats because that loop of doubt and uncertainty starts playing again. And then that leads to you wanting to see evidence. And then when you're not seeing evidence, right, it's that loop that is so hard to break. Now, I'm sure that you've heard this phrase, if you believe it, you can't achieve it. Now, people often take this phrase to mean this. Well, if I just believe, if I believe that the goal that I set is achievable, well, then duh, I'm going to achieve it. But that's not what that phrase means. What it really means is this. If I believe in my ability, and that's capital M, capital Y. If I believe in my ability to achieve the goal, then I'll achieve it. But for you to believe that you're fully capable of achieving the goal, you have to own your value. Because remember, it's capital M-Y. It's not if I believe the goal is achievable. It's if I believe in my ability to achieve the goal, then I'll achieve it. But for you to believe in your ability to achieve the goal, you have to own your value. And that can only happen when you see your value and you can only see your value when you like yourself. It can be really easy. It can be really, really easy. Trust me, been there, know this. It can be easy to stop liking yourself when you tie your likability to all of these external factors. So external factors in your business may look like how often people engage with you, how many people like your posts, how many people comment on your posts, how many people say yes to working with you, how much people are willing to pay you, how many speaking opportunities you get, how many requests for podcast interviews you get, how many people join your Facebook group, all of these things that you really can't control. But what if, just like humor me here, what if you gave yourself permission to just like yourself, period, to just like yourself as you are? What would be possible for you if you could fully embody that? Today, today I want you to decide. I want you to decide that you're worthy and you're capable And I want you to even share with me why, why you're worthy and why you're capable, not why what you do is valuable. That's not what I'm asking. I'm not asking why being a business coach is valuable or why helping people with social media is valuable or why being a doctor or a lawyer is valuable. 
I'm asking why you are valuable. So I want you to email me at read at readamamedoit.com and let me know that. But today we are going to learn what this really fully means, how you're able to own your value so that you like yourself and you won't be stopped by all of that uncertainty and all of that doubt. We're going to celebrate you. We're going to celebrate everyone. And we're going to have a good time doing it on this episode of the Rita Made Me Do It show. Because of Rita, I got on the news. Because of Rita, I had 15 speaking engagements last year. Because of Rita, I've become a six-figure business owner. Because, because of Rita, because of Rita I've, I've doubled my revenue by doubling my clients. I'm Rita, business strategist, speaker, and success coach. Also known as the gal who went on 35 dates in 35 days and blogged all about it. And this is the Rita Mimi Do It Show where every week I bring you the real information about what it takes to go all in on your dreams so that you can build a profitable business and live a positive life. Some weeks I'll have a guest and others it'll be just you and me, like we're out on my deck sharing a bottle of wine. The conversation, yeah, it'll be that real. Oh, you guys, this topic, (laughs) this topic today, trust me, you know, I'll have to do a future episode about this particular piece of it. But I say we always have a thing. There's a thing that each one of us has. It's that thing that we'll always come back to. If we get stuck, if we hesitate, uh, all of it, it can usually be traced back to the same core. For me, my core is enoughness, meaning I don't think that I am dot, dot, dot enough. And the dot, dot, dot can be uh, fill in the blank of any word. I don't think I'm funny enough. I don't think I'm smart enough. I don't think I'm likable enough. Mine is always enoughness. And it's tied into this topic of owning your value. So this is a near and dear topic to me. I'm going to start by telling you a story. So I remember when I first started my business, there was lots of sales calls that I had. But I remember this one specific sales call. And it was in the early months of my transition from being a date coach to a business coach. And the person contacted me upset. They were upset that no one was purchasing their courses. And this person had invested a great deal. And I mean, a lot of time and energy into the creation of the course, of of multiple courses. And she was 100% certain of their value. I mean, she knew hands down these courses were valuable. These courses would, would change lives. And she, for the life of her, could not understand why they weren't selling. So on the sales call, I spent, I probably spent about the next hour and a half. Although, side note, guys, my sales calls, which I call clarity calls, at the time, they were only 30-minute calls. They're 45 minutes now. And we can go into why with that maybe in a future episode too. But the important point is they were 30 minutes back at this back in this time. And I spent the next hour and a half helping her get clear on all kinds of things. And I remember specifically, I helped her get clear on her target market. And then I explained in detail how to use market research. And I told her, you know, the importance of market research to create this deep understanding of her audience so that she'd make real authentic connections, but also 
so she could create programs that her audience was eager to purchase. So not only did I explain market research and really dive into how to do it, I then helped her draft her market research questions on this call and then laid out the path to turning all of that into meaningful marketing. And she was like over the moon. She had never even thought about market research. In fact, she wrote off market research as something that product-based businesses, that people who develop products do. And I explained after all of this, and she was so excited. She was like, oh my gosh, never thought about this. This is incredible. I see exactly how this is going to give me all of the information I need. I'm so excited to dive in. And I explained how I could continue to support her through the market research process, like into taking the data and creating the programs and throughout the whole relationship building process. And she said, I remember it like it was yesterday. She said, oh, Rita, I don't think I'm ready for a coach right now. I I just don't think I'm ready for a coach right now, but maybe in the future. But Rita, oh my gosh, I am definitely going to take this information and I'm going to run with it right now. Like, thank you so much. This is life changing. I remember hanging up the phone and I was so tired. I was so frustrated. I was so sad and angry. And then whatever the emotion is, when all of those mixed together in the pit of your stomach, but that's what I was. And I wasn't feeling that way because I had given her information that would help her succeed. But I was feeling that way because she was the third person, the third person that week who said that their call with me was eye-opening and life-changing, while also saying that they didn't want to work with me. And I remember calling my own business coach after that call, and my coach asked me, hey, how did that sales call go? And I responded by saying, you know, I need to stop having free sales calls. I need to charge. I need to charge for my sales calls. So for you, that might be, you might even be thinking the same thing, like, charging for your consultations or char- but I remember that day I was like I need to stop. I can't have free sales calls anymore. I I can't have free clarity calls. I need to start charging so that I can weed out. I can weed out the looky loos, you know, all of those people who they just want information, they're just tire kickers. They just want to see what they can walk away with, you know, so long as it's free. I need to weed all of those people out. Now, I don't know how many of you can relate to this. But maybe you've had a similar experience. I know that many of the people who I work with now, they definitely get to this point. They feel the same way. And I see this with so many people who come to me frustrated that they're giving all of this information and values to others for free without being hired. And they think that charging for consultations will solve the problem. So they think exactly like I did. Like if I charge for my sales calls, if I put a a fee attached to consultations, then that's going to weed out people who aren't truly interested in working with me. But here's the truth. Like if you had to do hashtag truth bomb, (laughs) the truth is that adding a cost to your consultation, it isn't going to solve your problem because the lack of a consultation fee isn't what caused your problem. So let me say that again. The truth is adding a cost to your consultation, your discovery call, your sales call, whatever you call it, it's not going to solve your problem because the lack of a consultation fee is not what caused your problem. So after I talked to my coach that day, I sat down 
And I gave my sales call process a really hard look. So my my coach had kind of challenged me, hey, Rita, before you go adding this fee, I really want you to think about a few things. And so I took her questions, sat down, and I really looked at everything, including my sales call process. And what I saw when I really looked at it, (laughs) it was not pretty. Like, it was not pretty at all. My problem wasn't that I was attracting people who only wanted free information. That's what it felt like. It felt like because everybody was saying, this is life-changing. This information is so groundbreakingly good. And then they're like, and I don't want to work with you. (laughs) I thought, okay, then I'm just attracting people who want free information. But that wasn't the problem. The problem was that I was selling myself on the call instead of selling the service that I provide. I'm going to say that again. (laughs) I was selling myself on the call instead of the service that I provide. And people on the phone weren't looking to buy me. They were looking to buy the service that I provide. So, of course, they wouldn't buy it. Like, when I dug deep, I realized that the reason that I was pouring so much information into my clarity calls was because I was trying to show the person on the other end of the call that I knew what I was doing. I was trying to show them, I know what I'm doing. I'm good at it. See, look at me. I'm a good coach. I'm good at business coaching. And I want you to see that. So I was pouring all of this stuff, right? Energy, time, but mainly information into these clarity calls because that's exactly what I was trying to do. I was trying to show the person that I was an expert, that I was good at what I did. But here's the kicker. Of course, the reason that I was working so hard to show them that was because somewhere inside, I didn't fully believe it myself. That's why I was treating it like it was something that had to be proven. Do you see why I was tired? Do you see why I was exhausted? Like somewhere deep inside, I didn't believe that I was really that much of an expert at business strategy. Somewhere inside, I didn't believe that I was really that good at what I did. I wasn't fully believing myself at all. And so I had to, not believing in myself, like I was believing myself, but I was not believing in myself at all. And so I was working overtime, triple time, whatever, to prove that I was good at what I did. Because I felt like there's no way somebody else could know. I don't believe it. So I was operating from the place of, they don't know. They already don't. And I didn't realize I was doing this. So I want you guys to see this. This was on a subconscious level. When I got on the phone with these people, I was not thinking this, but here subconsciously was is what was going on. I had a belief that they didn't think I was an expert, that they already were making an assumption that there's no way that I could be that good, that there's no way that I could be this great at what I do, because I believed that I wasn't that great at what I did. So of course, I was spending the whole call trying to prove to them that I was a good business coach. My sales call process was really just one big tap dance. (laughs) It was one big, terribly long tap dance, performance. Like, no wonder no one wanted to hire me, guys. The more that I tried to prove my value as a person, the more they felt uncertain in its existence, right? Think about it. Like, think about the typical, as many of you know, I used to be a dating coach. So think about the the typical kind of relationship scenario. One person starts doubting 
that the other person really wants the relationship. So they become needy and clingy for affirmation and validation. And the more they become needy and clingy for affirmation and validation, the more the other person doesn't want to give it. And then the more they need it. And then you're in this terrible cycle, right? Well, here I was like saying, hey, I'm trying to prove that I'm good. And so then, of course, because I was trying so hard to prove it, they doubted it. And then I felt the doubt. And so the way that that like showed up, right, the more when they felt uncertain of the existence of my value, that like equaled them not connecting with the value of the service that I provided. Because how could they get to the value of the service if they couldn't get past, you know, the block, the obstacle that I had put in front of them, which is like, look at me, I'm not good at what I do. Basically by saying, I'm so great at what I do. What do you think? Wow, she must not be that great at what she does. Otherwise, she wouldn't need to talk about it so much, right? And that's exactly that's exactly what I was doing. Now that I think about it, it really is like that. Like, look at how wonderful I am. It's like, of course, the more that you say that, the more I'm going to think maybe you're not because why are you having to like show it so hard? Why are you having to prove it so hard, right? Well, so then when they doubted it because I was trying so hard to prove it, they couldn't get past that to start looking at the service that I provided. So when I would hear oh, Rita, no thanks, not ready to work with you right now, then what that did was just reinforce it, right? It reinforced my feeling of me not being valuable, which meant I felt even less valuable. So guess what would happen on the next call? Like that cycle would just repeat itself. I didn't have a sales call problem. That's not why my sales calls weren't converting. It was not a sales call problem. It was a value problem. And the minute that I did the work to step fully into my value, then everything changed. Like instead of having sales calls, I had conversations that resulted in sales. Now, I'm going to talk about that. I'm going to talk about how do you do that? How can you uh, change your approach? Because I know there are a lot of people, I hear it all the time. Oh, yeah, my sales calls, you know, they're normally 30 minutes, but I go over. I give so much value. give so much value on these calls because it's the same kind of cycle. It's the same thing. Oh, but I'm, I'm, I'm being so helpful. Like I just genuinely care about people. And that can be true. That doesn't have to be mutually exclusive to this. But when you lack boundaries, and we're going to talk about that in a second, when you lack boundaries in a lot of areas of your life and your business and sales calls are just one of them, it's just that representation that something bigger is going on. So we're going to talk about changing your approach to sales calls so that you can showcase the value of what you do without selling yourself because your services are for sale, your products are for sale, but guys, you're not for sale. So we wanna change that perspective. Now, before I kind of give you tips, like here are the things that you can do to change your approach to sales calls, I wanna show you another way that this may be showing up in your life. Okay, so many of you may volunteer and participate in community service. I've heard stories of so many of the incredible things that you're doing. And volunteering, community service, donating your time to all of these meaningful causes, just being charitable in general is important. But I'm going to caveat that. But volunteering, community service, donating your time to all of these meaningful causes, being charitable, it's not important when it's to the detriment of your own well-being. 
So to explain this, I'm going to tell you a story about a client who I had, uh, gosh, a year and some months ago. Uh, she showed up for her first coaching session and she said, hey, you know what, Rita, I am like 100% certain that I have a money mindset issue. And she went on to explain that she was struggling to make money in her business because she wasn't making her business a priority. And she said, I'm sure it's a money block. I definitely must have a block where I don't want money to come into my business because I am not treating my business like it's a priority. And as we talked about that and fleshed it out further, you know, instead of filling her days with revenue generating activities, and we've talked about those before, like looking for speaking engagements and speaking and uh, vendor tables and exhibitor tables and networking and sales calls, instead of filling her, her days with all of the activities that would actually generate revenue and move her business forward, she was spending her days volunteering. She was volunteering for a whole bunch of different things. She was volunteering by, in her groups that she was kind of networking in, right? She was showing up and giving free consultations, and she was finding these mentorship services and her church. And she just, there were a lot of causes in her community that she was volunteering for. And she was signing on for a lot of committees at her child's school. And in addition, when I, because I had her track her time, I had her track her time for a little bit and give it back to me. So when I looked at, I'm actually looking at her old file right now, like when I looked at her time, so she was, she was volunteering for a couple of entrepreneurship groups. She was like donating her services to, she was volunteering for other causes in the community and her church. She was on committees for her child's school. She also was spending time helping out her family and friends by running errands for them. And when she was working with clients, what her notes show here and what I remember now is that she provided so many additional services beyond those for which she was hired. So she might have been hired to, I don't know, let's say she might have been hired to paint a picture, right? Like maybe she was an artist and she was painting a picture, but she painted the picture, she framed it, she matted it, she went over to the house and hung it up, and then she painted the wall around the picture, and then she like uh, coordinated on, you know, what other furniture would match the picture. You see what I'm saying? So like, that's an example. She wasn't really an artist, but to give you that idea. So she was, when she was doing client work, she provided services far beyond the scope for which she was hired at no other cost. And she was overwhelmed with everything that was filling her day. She was overwhelmed with how much was on her plate. And she was really feeling anxious because she had a pile of bills that she couldn't pay. She was like, Rita, I'm basically robbing Peter to pay Paul. I pay one credit card with another credit card and then another credit card with that credit card. And like, she just was so overwhelmed. And she said, Rita, and I wrote this sentence down. She said, Rita, I am a giving person, but I have to. I just have to have a deeper money block to keep pushing off my business. And I agreed. I agreed that there was a block. But I told her, I don't think it's around money. And to shortcut that, what I thought was it was around her value. And here's kind of the, I guess if I had to give a lesson, right? When you fully own your worth, when you just feel like you're enough, I am valuable, period. Not I'm valuable because right? Not because I'm valuable because I show up in this way or I'm valuable because I get these things. When you fully believe that you are just valuable because you exist, it is an internal feeling not tied to anything external. When you fully own that worth, you value your time. And when you give away your talents and your skills freely or a little cost, 
to the detriment of your life, you have crossed over into the territory of being neglectful. Okay, so I'm not saying don't give away your talents and skills at little or no cost. In fact, often give away your talents and skills freely. But when you do it to the detriment of your own life, you are being neglectful. So I'm not saying don't volunteer, don't do pro bono work, community service is bad. But I'm saying when you prioritize those activities over things that help you generate income you need to live, like the basic income you need to pay all your bills, uh, cover your business costs, put food on the table, have a safety fund stocked away, right? Just the basics of life. Then you are showing that there's a deeper issue that needs to be examined. So in my client's case, the story that I just shared, she did not fully believe in what? In her, right? She didn't fully believe in her ability to create the success she envisioned. And another thing, she didn't believe in her worthiness to receive everything that would come from that success. So she did not believe in her ability to create the success. So she was saying those mantras like everybody else, like success is inevitable. I believe that success is achievable. But she didn't believe in her ability to do it. She did not believe in her own abilities. And she also then could not believe in her worthiness to receive anything that would come from success. All of those obligations, all of those commitments, they were just distractions, guys. They were distractions from doing the hard work of digging deep into her self-esteem and having to examine her capabilities and her strengths and her skills so that she could uncover how she viewed herself. Like she did not want to sit with herself and do that work because she didn't like herself. So why would she want to look at herself? Why would she want to put herself under a magnifying glass? So her way to avoid that And her way to avoid doing the things that would make her have to look at that was by distracting herself. So those obligations and those commitments, those were just distractions from doing that hard work. And that just gave her a very convenient way to not have to take personal responsibility because she became a victim. She became a victim to time. She was like, oh, you know, there's just not enough time, right? Like she was just this victim to the world she was born in with no time. And also she became victim to this fact, and I put fact in quotes, that she was quote unquote simply born a people pleaser. Like I was just born a people pleaser. I hear that all the time. You know, Rita, I was just born. I was just born as a people pleaser. So everything in my life, I just, I put other people first. This is just the way I was born. No, you weren't. (laughs) No, you weren't. We're only born with two things. I mean, internally, we're born with a fear of uh, loud noises and a fear of falling, which I've shared before. And that makes sense, right? Think about how you come into the world. Of course, you're going to have a fear of falling and a fear of loud noises, right? So we kind of have that from the minute we are birthed. But that's it. She was not born a people pleaser. You're not born a people pleaser. There's no gene in your body that's the people pleasing gene, right? But all of this just gave her a convenient way to not take personal responsibility because suddenly she was. She was a victim of being born a people pleaser and she was a victim of time and the lack thereof. So we created a strategy for her to reclaim her time because the act of taking back your time is an act of self-love because it requires making decisions and it requires setting boundaries. And that is one of the hardest but 
best displays of self-love that you can make. And so we created this strategy for her to reclaim her time. And the very act of taking back her time, that true act of self-love, caused her to value herself more. And it also provided the mental and physical space she needed to do that hard work of examining how she viewed herself. And as she took more steps to continue to raise her self-esteem, she liked herself even more. And then that allowed her to see her value. And when she saw her value, she could own it. And when she could own it, she could step into the belief that she was capable of achieving the success she desired. Not just that success is achievable, but that she could achieve it. And that's when the trajectory of her business changed. Her income tripled in six months. She was able to re-engage in volunteer and community service activities because we put them on pause when we created the strategy to reclaim her time. It required all of those boundaries I'm talking about. She set some hard boundaries. She said no to a lot, which was very difficult for her. But then after her income tripled in six months, she was able to re-engage in the volunteer and community service activities now from a peaceful, secure, and healthy place, which benefited her and her community in even bigger ways. So what I want you to see is if you believe in your ability to achieve success, then you will. It's that phrase, your ability. If you believe in your ability to achieve success, then you're going to achieve it. But for you to believe it, for you to believe that you're fully capable of achieving success and that you're worthy of receiving whatever success looks like for you, you have to. It is non-negotiable to own your value. And you can only own your value when you see your value. And you can only see your value when you like yourself. And yes, reclaiming your time and honoring your time is one way, but all of this sounds lovely. Like, great, Rita, I'll just like myself more. And then you walk away from me and you roll your eyes and you're like, gee, why didn't I think of that? Right? Like, it sounds lovely, but it can be very difficult to understand what it means to like yourself in a tangible way. So how do you do that? Liking yourself isn't just felt as an inward feeling. And sometimes that's what we're led to believe, that it's just this positive feeling that you just look in the mirror and say, I'm beautiful, and that you just think, I'm just great at what I do, or I really love who I'm being in the world, right? It's not just an inward feeling. Liking yourself is shown. It is shown as an action by demonstration. But what action? So now I'm going to explain a little thing called your self-concept. And your self-concept is basically it's your belief about yourself. So think about a big cloud in the sky and or draw on a paper at the top of your piece of paper. Or if you're driving, don't do that. But think about it like a big cloud up at the top of a piece of paper. And inside that cloud, it's a self-concept. And your self-concept is your belief about yourself, who you are, what your capabilities are. But it's made up of Three things, three ingredients go into creating your self-concept. So number one, ingredient number one is your self-ideal. This is if you had all the money in the world, if you had all the resources in the world, if you could make whatever you wanted in your life happen, it like whatever you wanted in life to happen, that you could make it happen, what would it look like? Like, where would you live? What food would you be eating? What types of people would be surrounding you? How would you spend your day? What types of conversations would you be having? Like, everything in extreme detail. That's your self-ideal. Who would I be if I was the perfect person? Like, perfect person Rita doesn't just eat the cupcake and a half that I ate downstairs. Like, perfect person Rita maybe eats half a cupcake or eats 
maybe even, I'm going to take that back. <laughs> Perfect Rita eats the cupcake and a half, but without guilt, right? But like, it's a choice, not a reaction. Like, the Rita downstairs, guys, I just had some cupcakes. <laughs> if you can't tell, I just had some cupcakes, right? So I'll use the food. But like, you know, self-ideal, I snacked on, I ate a lunch of salad. That would be my self-ideal, like a good salad. That's what I would be doing in my perfect life, right? Now, your self-image, which is ingredient number two, your self-image is, well, what does your life actually look like? So if your self-ideal is what would your life look like if it was perfect, if everything could work out the way you wanted and you, you were making every choice you wanted to make and all your actions just flowed and you were congruent with everything you wanted to do and like, what would that look like? That's your self-ideal. Your self-image is, well, what does it actually look like? So self-ideal, Rita, sitting down to this beautifully created salad for lunch. Self-image, Rita, ate a cupcake and a half and ate it reactively and steeped in guilt. Okay, so self-image is what does your life actually look like? Where are you living? What food are you eating? What types of people do surround you? How are you spending your day? What types of conversations are you actually having? So what's actually going on? And the third thing, the third ingredient for your self-concept is your self-esteem. How much do you like yourself? How much do you like yourself? The higher your self-esteem, the lower your fear of failure, the lower your fear of rejection, the lower your fear of other people's opinions, right? So think about it. Your self-esteem is how much you like yourself. It's not confidence. Confidence is different. Confidence is going into a room and being able to shake a hand and make eye contact, right? Like not have sweaty palms. Like confidence, you can have confidence and lack self-esteem. They are not the same thing, okay? Self-esteem is you liking yourself. It's how much do you like yourself. The higher you like yourself, the more you like yourself, the higher your self-esteem, then obviously the lower your fears, and it's not that you won't have any, it's that they're low, they're easy to move through, but the lower your fear of failure, the lower your fear of rejection, lower your fear of other people's opinions, right? But the less you like yourself, the lower your self-esteem, then the higher all of those fears. Well, how do you get high self-esteem? If self-esteem is how much you like yourself, how do you raise your self-esteem? The more your self-ideal, who you would be if you were the perfect person, aligns with your self-image, what is actually happening in your life, the more that those are congruent, the more that those are in alignment, the more your self-image is in alignment and congruent with your self-ideal, the more you're going to like yourself, right? The more you make choices every day that are in alignment with your ideal day, the more you're going to like yourself. When you align your self-image with your self-ideal, your self-esteem rises. So think about it. Your ideal day, it's rooted in your core values. When you make decisions out of alignment with your values, you just don't tend to like yourself very much, right? So the more you align what you're doing now with that ideal life image, the more you're going to like yourself. I mean, the reason that Rita, who just ate the cup, let's go back to those cupcakes. They were freaking good cupcakes, by the way. But the, <laughs> the reason Rita, who ate those cupcakes, feels badly about herself is not because I ate the cupcakes. It's because that's not in alignment with my core value. My core value is health. I'm trying to really focus on that core value. And so I made a decision that's out of alignment with a value. And that feels bad. Now, I might not have health as a value. Like there, there's no right or wrong. There's no good or bad values to have. Pretend I did not have physical health as a core value. Then eating the cupcake may not be out of alignment. And I'm not going to feel badly about it, right? Because I won't not like myself. Does that make sense? So your ideal day rooted in your core values. And when you make decisions out of alignment with those values, you just don't like yourself much. So the more you align what you're doing right now with that perfect life, that ideal life image, then the more you're going to like yourself. 
The more you like yourself, the lower your fears, the lower your fears, the more you're going to believe in your ability to achieve that vision of success. So like, take a minute, take some time, like think it out, but in your head right now for the sake of this podcast, for the sake of like the last few minutes we have here, just think of something that you know 100% that you see yourself doing in that vision of your ideal life that you are not doing now. Like how can you take one action, one step to lean into that even more? Even by doing that, you're going to start raising, rising? your self-esteem. And as that happens, you're going to like yourself more. And the more you're going to own your value and the more all of this stuff is going to be easier to do. Okay. And then of course, all of this relates to like the story I told you because you're going to start reclaiming your time. So you're going to prioritize your business and then you're going to set boundaries and you're going to feel comfortable setting boundaries. So your sales calls are going to be more effective, right? And you're also not having to prove your value. And when you're not having to prove your value, then people don't doubt your value. And like, you won't stay stuck in that loop, like everything we talked about at the beginning, right? The conversations, this is kind of the last little statement I want to leave you on today. The conversations that you have with and the content you create for. So like you're having conversations with your audience, you're creating content of a variety of kinds, videos and and um, written or whatever the format is, but like you're creating content and you're having actual conversations with your audience. It should be focused, those conversations and the, the content should be focused on the value of your products and services, not on your value. Because like I said before, what you do is for sale but you are not for sale. When your audience clearly sees that your products and services are going to improve their lives, they're going to find them valuable. But for them to see that, then you have to be clear on the immediate tangible benefits that your clients get from working with you. Meaning you need to shift your focus away from why you're valuable, right? And why you're good. And it doesn't mean I feel like I have to put a little caveat, like a little asterisk and maybe come back with a little follow-up episode. Like, on the same hand, yes, like brag about yourself, right? I'm freaking great at what I do. I am. I'm a great business strategist. I help my clients build these thriving, profitable businesses, you know, making six figures, multiple six figures. I have some clients who are now into the, you know, like seven figures and they're getting, they're getting into multiple seven figures. Like I'm good at helping people generate revenue, yes, but doing it in a way that they love, that feels good, like, you know, living the life that they love, running a business that they love, that's in alignment with all of their values. It's fun and like allowing them to make impact. And like, by all means, I'm not saying don't sing your praises like that, right? But don't try to convince people because you don't believe it. Does that make sense? There's a slight difference. Like there's a difference in just claiming like, I'm really good at speaking. (laughs) I'm really good at this. And then not believing it and having to put on a whole show. And usually that shows up as, so let me do everything for free and let me like disrespect my time boundaries and let me give more and more and more to the detriment of my ability to live, right? So this is kind of like what I want you to see, right? So that idea of that sales call again, the sales call that I told you about where I overextended myself by an hour, right? And I did all the work on the call. Well, I mean, that was out of alignment with integrity for me, giving away for free what I, you know, what people pay for. But more importantly, it was coming from a place of, I needed to show you I'm a good coach, 
because I don't actually believe I'm a good coach, right? If I was, I would just show up and say, hey, yeah, I'm a great coach for you. Like, I believe that I can help you do this. And it's because I've helped other people do it before. And if you want to work with me, great, let's do it, right? Like, so there is that. And if you struggle with finding that line, this is something that we can definitely talk about. And guys, we're going to talk about this whole last piece, like your products and your services and pricing and sales calls. I'm having a, another free masterclass. So that last free masterclass I had was so incredible. November 18th, guys, on pricing and packaging your services and your products, including a little like bonus, like Black Friday is coming. And how are we going to have a special for like the Thanksgiving holiday weekend? And is that something you even want to do? And how would you go about it? Like we're gonna have a little bonus training on that. But we're going to talk about this whole thing, like how to communicate the immediate tangible benefits that your clients, your customers are going to get from working with you or purchasing from you. So Again, for example, three benefits that clients get from working with me are a steady stream of clients, uh, a steady stream of clients seeking them out, consistently hitting their revenue goals and attracting opportunities that allow them to make a greater impact, like speaking engagements and media appearances and podcast interviews. So I do want you to be jotting down and thinking, what are three benefits that clients get from working with you? And I want you to bring them to the masterclass. The link to register for the masterclass is actually in the show notes. So go ahead and sign up. You don't have to be there live. The replay will be sent out. But if you are there live, at the end, I choose a winner for a 90-minute intensive with me. And guys, there is nothing that you could do that's more valuable than creating like a signature offer or something on this 90-minute intensive. Now, you have to be there live at the moment that I pick the winner to be able to win. So you have to be registered. You have to be there live if you want to win this 90-minute intensive. Otherwise, feel free to register. Be there live. I hope you are because I'm interactive. I answer your questions. We do a little bit of hot seat coaching. But also, like you'll get the replay, right? And this is a completely free masterclass on pricing and packaging your services and products. And it's definitely going to talk about everything that we've talked about, right? Like really looking beyond your value because you're going to know you're valuable because now you have the formula for that. And once you know that, then you can look at the value of the services and products you provide. Much like your sales experience will change because once you own your value, then your clients will already also, your potential clients, your audience, will also already feel that value and they'll be able to look past that part to the part of the value of your products and services. So that's what we'll be talking about over the next few episodes. Guys, I always enjoy talking with you. I can't wait to hear from you. Please send me an email at Rita at RitaMamieDoIt.com. Sometimes podcasting feels so lonely, guys. You wonder, are people listening? Are you out there? Is this helpful for you? But write me back. Let me know. Let me know what are three benefits that people get working from you. Let me know what you wrote down. Rita at RitaMamieDoIt.com. And I'll catch you next week on another episode of the Rita Mimi Do It Show. Hey, before you go, thank you for listening to my show. I hope that you enjoyed this episode. Please take a minute to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is that you get your podcast, and leave a review. It'll only take you a second, but it will help other people discover the Rita Mimi Do It Show. And my goal is to share this business-boosting and life-changing content with as many people as possible. In fact, because I value your time so much, every month, one reviewer will win a free coaching call with me. So if you want to get laser-focused and go all-in on the results that you most want in your business, then leave a review now. And then head on over to RitaMamieDoIt.com where you can find the show notes from today's episode.